0: Welcome to AI Home Podcast, the first podcast for real estate resources and independent living strategies for the disability community. Why? Because accessibility is home. Hi, I'm Andrew Fox, blogger, author, and your host. Please stay tuned to the very end to learn about my free handouts. And more importantly, how answering the call to action I will give you at the end can well, Lower the kitchen sinks, but raise the bars for disability home ownership. Now, let's begin! Today, for Black History Month, I will be talking about the impact on homeowner associations have on the disabled black homeowners. To do so, it's important to be mindful that being a member of two different minorities means that discrimination not only occurs twice, it is done differently for each minority membership. Before we begin, please note, while I am a lawyer, I am not giving you legal advice and speaking from the perspective of real-world experience as a disabled thought leader. According to the Business Insider article, 60% of newly built single-family homes are part of homeowners associations and they sell about 4% higher than those without an HOA. So that probably means that it's going to be the standard for housing development in the future. Not only are HOAs here to stay, so is the continued discrimination. HOAs can be traced back to the 19th century, so they're not really new. However, they only got their funding during the 1960s. HOAs were used in the 1960s as a way for well-off white neighborhoods to prevent or drive out people of color to live in their community. HOAs had a variety of ways to use the power of the pen to create a loophole of a way to not to follow the newly established then Fair Housing Act, which states, and quotes, individual corporations, associations, and others involved in the provision of housing and residential lending, including property owners, housing managers, homeowners, and condominium associations, lenders, real estate agents, and broker services. A mouthful, but it's pretty comprehensive. According to the author Jonathan Rothwell, in his book A Republic of Equals and Other Resources, HOAs required that individual homeowners put in their deeds at that time a covenant that prohibited the resale to a black person. I will put the link of Jonathan Rothwell's book in my blog post on my website in case you want to read it. There were other ways to financially burden new homeowners of color by creating cosmetic requirements, such as having a certain door installed, requiring constant repaying for minor chips, or changing the color of the home requirements, anything that ensures that every home looks the same and is at the peak of well kept perfection. Of course, failure to do so means fines, and if not quickly paid off, mounting debt. The outcome often meant selling his or her home to pay it off, usually at, at less than what the person paid for originally. Because why? No one wants to buy a home with a lot. Of attached to it. Not only did this drive the person of color out of the neighborhood, it usually meant that a white person was the only person that could afford the debt that came with the home. A perfect plan. Today, people of color certainly can afford the cosmetic requirements that exist and the fines when they do occur. HOAs continue to discriminate, however, in other ways in particularly more discreet ways, I should say, such as requiring a higher credit rating to buy the home, or even prohibiting anyone with criminal records. To learn more what else can be done to increase home ownership of people of color, let's say by 3 million by 2030, a Cleveland, Ohio organization called 3 by 30 has a seven-point plan to do so. Despite a laundry list of organizations supporting this initiative, Not a single one is centered on disability advocacy, however. When it comes to a person with a disability, I have always cautioned anyone with a disability, particularly those who need to modify their home, about buying a home with an HOA. There are a lot of misunderstandings about what HOAs can provide and the scope of legal authority. If you ask a person off the street to describe where you can find disability housing, chances are they will describe a group home scenario. When talking to a realtor, the suggestion will likely be a condo-like housing. At least that was particularly my experience and I described that in a book I published called My Blue Front Door when I was shopping for my own home. In the mainstream consciousness, it is a belief that a condo-like housing is "quote unquote, more manageable through the help of the HOA. Many falsely believe that an HOA can assist the person with a disability in the maintenance of the home. In most cases, HOA maintenance only focuses on the exterior of the home, like hallways or shared spaces by residents. HOAs rarely have services that come into the individual homes. HOAs can not only be disappointed in what they provide, but can also be hotspots of discrimination. First, the mainstream has confused the ADA, the Americans with Disability Act, as the law that applies because it is the law most well-known by the public. And in some instances, the ADA could apply. It will only apply for the HOA if the HOA has facilities open to the public If, let's say, the HOA has an office for visitation by the public, or the pool can be rented by the public, then the office and the pool must be accessible under the ADA guidelines. Not having the ability to rely on the most comprehensive disability rights law, the ADA, is, well, disheartening. This shouldn't make you believe that a disabled homeowner with an HOA means you have no rights. The FAH provide, and I quote, a reasonable accommodation and a reasonable modification to use the common areas and enjoy his or her dwelling unit. The Fair Housing Act defines reasonable accommodation as, I quote, a change, exception, or adjustment to a rule, policy, practice, or service that may be necessary for a person with a disability to have an equal opportunity to use and enjoy a dwelling, including public and common use spaces. What a mouthful. For example, modifying parking rules allow a disabled person to have access to kinda of jump ahead of maybe a waiting list. Unless the HOA can prove undue financial burden, any accommodation should be paid by for should be paid by the HOA. This makes sense because most accommodations are just a change in policy. It will not cost anything other than time. Now, a reasonable modification is, I quote, underneath the Fair Housing Act, a structural change made to existing premises occupied or to be occupied by a person with a disability to afford that person full enjoyment of the premises. So a modification would be placing a ramp ramp in front of a home. Unlike an accommodation, a modification cost is borne upon the disabled homeowner. No matter if it's an accommodation or a modification request, it cannot create an undue hardship or burden the association or fundamentally change the nature of the association's operations. To do so, will make the request, whatever it is, unreasonable standard. The hardship and burden is more of a discreet and tangible be- act because it usually relates to expensive costs or like impossibilities. But fundamentally, altering the association operations is where HOA's power lie and discrimination is born. Remember when I spoke about that cosmetic requirements originally devised to discriminate against people of color? Well, these cosmetic requirements are part of policies and operations of the HOA today. Many modification requests a change to what things look like now, as if the homes and the HOAs were like some historically protected properties or something. Far from the truth. Since a property owner agreed to these cosmetic policies when buying the home, courts often rule in favor of HOAs. What courts tend to side with? The disabled home, homeowner, if the HOA one never adequately addressed a request, meaning the HOA flat out denied the request, was unable to show to the court that they have an established process to address it, or significantly time lasts without even making a decision. If these occurred, HOA members could be held personally reliable for up to $50,000 in civil fines. Now, if you talk to a lawyer, they will disagree with me that cosmetic requirements really are part of the unreasonableness standard. I understand that because of the letter of the law. But when courts look at HOAs, they are not looking at them as HOAs or normal businesses or government entities. Courts look at HOAs as common people coming together for an agreed purpose, which is very rooted in our Constitution. So it really depends on your district whether the court really understand ableism or whether or not they believe in the HOA's bylaws. What do you do when you find yourself in a HOA situation? First, look at the bylaws and see if any process is given to make a reasonable accommodation or modification. It's really important that if you think you will need an accommodation or a modification you make the request before you actually do it. Let me repeat, make the request first. When you make the request, you need to say that you want, have a disability, and how whatever you are requesting is needed to enjoy your home and as a result of that disability. Stating what type of disability you have can be helpful if the average person knows the limitations and you meet those typical limitations. We all know that just because let's say I have a spinal cord injury doesn't mean my limitation exactly the same as another spinal cord injury. Also, many disabilities have unique stereotypes that can get in the way. Stating you have a disability and what medically you can't do without the label can help you avoid the stereotypes and help you be more specific on why you are asking what you are asking for. Finally, if you are asking for modifications, it's really important you address cosmetics because most people believe modifications for disabilities is one, going to be ugly, and two, devalue the home. Not true. To do so, try to say in your request, you will paint and make the modification to the decor of the homes that the HOA requires. I highly recommend looking into Pinster to show your HOA what your modification may look like, like if you're trying to include a ramp. So I hope you enjoyed this and I always like to have a call to action. Today is going to be Pinster. I will be creating a board with nice examples of ramps into condos and homes. I ask your help. If you have a good photo, feel free to share it with me on Pinster. And if you are a person with a healing impairment, please be mindful that all my transcripts of my podcast are turned into blog posts. So don't hang up yet. Because you're going to hear how you can connect to my pinster and find those blog posts and so much more to continue to connect with me. Thank you. After listening today, Disability Home Ownership is that much closer. Whether you are a wheelchair user or a worker in the housing industry. But there's so much more I can provide you through HorizontalHouses.com. HorizontalHouses.com is the hub for all things related to disability home ownership. You will find my blog, this podcast, my book, and how my consulting services can help real estate agents or housing developers market and tap into the largest minority group, the disability community, all of which come from real-world experience as a working-class, lifetime paraplegic, who bought her first home during the Great Recession and successfully modified it. Please help me continue this exploration of disability home ownership by connecting through my Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest accounts by either searching for Horizontal Houses on these platforms or visiting directly the HorizontalHouses.com website. Most importantly though, please subscribe to the email distribution list located on the website so you don't miss out on any updates I may have. Remember, sharing our collective experiences will allow us each to lower the kitchen sink but raise the bar for disability home ownership. Thank you!